Welcome to the podcast for Zion Stone United Church of Christ, located in the Lehigh Valley of Pennsylvania. I'm Pastor Mike Landsman, and these podcasts are taken from my weekly Sunday morning sermons. We pray that they will bless you, and we would love for you to come visit us and make our church home, hopefully, become your church home. Here's what we have for today. Last week, we looked at Jesus' first miracle at the wedding of Cana and St. Paul's explanation of spiritual gifts and their purpose in the gathered church community. Uh, We talked about how um, the church in Corinth had certain people having different experiences of being used by the Spirit in a particular way, and they used that to set themselves up over their brothers and sisters in the church, causing division. Unfortunately, we talked about how this still happens today, but we talked about how the gifts of God are given as an endowment of grace and are not markers of spiritual maturity and are meant for the common good of the church, not for our individual edification. And we saw at Cana how Jesus, his miracle, it was meant, it wasn't meant to show how amazing he is, he is, obviously, but it was for the good of the assembled guests at the feast. So in 1 Corinthians 12, verses 12 to 31, Joanne just read so well for us, St. Paul starts to use this metaphor of the body. So we see here in St. Paul's epistle, him likening the Corinthian church to a body. Now commentators say that this is a common example used in the ancient world. So this is not something that they're unfamiliar with. This isn't an idea that he's importing somewhere else and he's kind of trying to explain it to them. He's using something that they're familiar with, something they already know. We know in the ancient world that this idea of, of, of a body people being part of a body, it's a regular one. But what's interesting to note here, what St. Paul does is he flips that kind of upside down. Because normally this metaphor of we're all, part, we're all together, we're all oneness, this is all, we're, all to, we're all one big happy body together, this is meant to keep lower social classes in line. It was kind of a means of, of maybe passive-aggressive control. Everyone in this worldview, everyone has an important role to play. So behave right, don't rock the boat, stay in your lane. It was meant to reinforce that those on the bottom of the socioeconomic ladder were to serve those that were higher up. Richard Hayes notes that Paul uses his language of the body to argue for the need for diversity in the body and at the same time interdependence among the members. So what is normally used to try and keep people down from, and from rebelling is transformed in Christ to show that those on the higher end of the ladder actually are to value and honor those who appear to be inferior. And they're actually not inferior because he says there, are, there is no Jew, there is no, no Greek, kind of echoing what he says in his epistle to the Galatians. So he's doing this because like we mentioned in the online, we, we did a little live stream last week about, about this, uh, that his stratification, the stratification, right, this division was happening. It was shaped by the exercise of the spiritual gifts. And they're also even dividing up by who their favorite teacher was or who baptized them, right? So we read way back in the beginning of 1 Corinthians, somebody says, well, I'm Paul's guy. I'm a Paul. And then somebody over here was like, oh yeah? That's great. Guess who I'm of? I'm of Peter, you know, the rock, you might know him. And then somebody over here was like, hey, that's great, Peter, Paul guy. And that's great, Peter guy. You know who I'm, who I belong to? Who's my guy? And they're both like, who? Jesus. Right? They're dividing along those lines. It's ridiculous, right? Because they're all working together. 
It's, it's, like what you, it's like when you have a conversation with some people. Have you ever had a conversation with somebody and you're like, well, why did you do this? Oh, I don't know. I felt like it. Or, or they'll, they'll throw this one out instead as they're trying to justify it. Well, God told me to do it, so that's why I did it. Has anybody ever heard that before? Usually when somebody tells you, well, God told me to do that thing and it didn't work out so well, they're usually, they're usually lying. It's, it's kind of like, like that. So they're, this, this is causing unnecessary division, right? So Paul deals with this by grounding all of this in this idea of diversity and dependence. So he begins to ground this idea of the diversity in their midst along with their interdependence. He starts to ground this along the lines of their common salvation. He says that you were all baptized into one body, Jew and Greek, and you were all made to drink of the same spirit. So no matter who they were, no matter where they came from, no matter if they were part of the initial covenant community of Israel or if they were outsiders, they all experienced a common salvation and they have all received the one and same spirit. This means then that no one can claim superiority over the other because the playing field has been leveled. All of these people form the various members or parts of the body with all of those parts making the whole together. And he uses a few humorous examples like I I talked about with the kids a little bit. The foot can't say I'm not part of the body because I'm not a hand and the eye can't say I'm not an ear so I'm not a part of the body. But St. Paul says, God arranged the members in the body, each one of them as he chose. So God himself arranges every single person in the right place for the right function so the body can be whole and healthy and complete, right? So wherever we are, wherever we find ourselves functioning in the body of Christ, you are there because that is where God has placed you. God does it. Not a leader, not an elder group, not a leadership team, not a spiritual gifts inventory test. God places us in the body because he knows where every person, where every part of the body is needed. We all have a purpose. And we see here the diversity of the body, different parts for different purposes, but all have equal worth because we've all experienced a common salvation and we were all made to drink the same spirit. Then he talks a little bit about interdependence. So he says that there's no room really for individualism here. Everyone has a place and everyone is necessary to have a healthy body. Right? Parts of our body cannot tell the other parts that they're not necessary. All of the parts are necessary. If our hands are missing or our feet are missing, we wouldn't be able to grab, we wouldn't be able to run as well, we wouldn't be able to do a lot. If we lose our eyesight, we would have no sense of direction when we walked, drove, cooked, or exercised, and we'd be injured. Our bodies function best when everything is in working order, doing what it was designed to do. A while back, way, way back, I used to have a a manual transmission in my car, and I wound up hurting myself, hurting my knee. (laughs) It's really hard to drive a manual transmission if your knees hurt, right? Because you don't have two pedals, you have three. Because you gotta push in the clutch and put it into gear. And you gotta do this and you, it's, it's, it's not that hard, right? But if you're not, if you're hurt, if your body is sore, if a part that you use over and over again, it, it's hard to do that. It's hard to do that. So, 
St. Paul even goes a step further here, and he says that the parts of the body that seem to be weaker, he says that they're actually indispensable, and the parts that appear weaker are actually worthy of greater honor. And to illustrate this point, he uses the examples of covering ourselves up, the parts of the body that we cover more than the other parts of the body. And then he continues, he says all of this then, that there be no division in the body, but that members may have the same care for one another. If one member suffers, all suffer together. If one member is honored, all rejoice together. Now you are the body of Christ and individually members of it. He says this in order to end all division. Division and schism are the constant enemies of the church in any and every age. Division and schism, they can range from bishops hurling excommunications at each other, like during the Great Schism, to the head of committees refusing to work with church leadership on issues. When one of us suffer, we all suffer together. When one of our members are hospitalized, we are all suffering with them and their families. And when one of our members gets an unexpected blessing, we are recipients of that too. Why? Because we are very we are in a very real way more of a family gathered here together in Christ than our biological relatives because we were all given the same spirit. We were all baptized into the same spirit and we were all given the same spirit to drink. When one suffers, all suffer. When one rejoices, then we all rejoice together. This is, brothers and sisters, a very, very important point. This then should keep the Corinthian church and keep us from dividing up over dumb things, over stupid things, over small things. Small things. I've been in the church a long time. I've been in churches all my life. Grew up in the church. My dad was a minister. Traveled all over. I moved. All, people often ask me when they hear all the places I've lived if I was in the military. And I'm like, no, worse. I was a pastor's kid, right? All over the place. I've seen churches where little things have come up, small things to destroy and, 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 bring, and bring division. St. John Chrysostom, writing on this section of Scripture, says, These things then let us consider and cast out all envy and neither grudge against them that have greater gifts nor despise them that possess the lesser. For thus God has willed, let us not oppose ourselves. Notice that. He says, let us not oppose ourselves. When we look down on somebody else, when we hold grudges against one another, we are opposing our, our own selves. I don't know if I should tell this story, but I'm going to anyway. I was at, right, I'll, I'll, I'll generalize it, right? I was at a, a function, maybe in the, I'll say in the last two years, and I had a conversation with a person who said, they were talking about a church that they were a part of, and they said, I'm never going to go back to that church. And I said, well, why won't you ever go back to that church? I know that church. It's a nice church. The pastor, he's all right. It's a great church. Why don't you go back? And they're like, as long as this person is there, I'll never, ever come back, ever. And they walked away. But according to St. Paul here, that type of attitude, that person isn't just hurting the church. They're also injuring and harming <laughs> themselves. When you oppose the body, you are opposing yourself. Chrysostom continues, He that devours his own hand exhibits a clear evidence of downright madness. 
So, this text of Scripture, brothers and sisters, is equally true for our church as it was for the church in Corinth. All of us here, we have all been baptized into the same body. We've all drunk of the waters of the same Holy Spirit. We are a united family. We cannot say to others in our midst that we do not love them. We cannot hold years-long grudges in our hearts because something didn't go our way or somebody said something that hurt our feelings or there was a misunderstanding. Brothers and sisters, we cannot hold on to those things. We cannot hold on to those things. We may not always like one another. We might not always agree with one another. But here's the thing. We have to love one another. We have to love one another. And sometimes when you love, learn to love somebody, the like comes a little bit later. I'll give you a personal example. That's what I do, right? I used to have a terrible, terrible relationship with my sister. A terrible relationship with my sister. We, we did not get along. We went from, my mom used to tell me this story, when, when she brought her home from the hospital, I was maybe three, I, I looked at her and I said, I love you, little sister. And she would remind me of this when I was a teenager, and I would say, that, I never said that, I didn't say that, I don't know, no. My mom said, no, you said that. I'm like, no, I don't love her. We fought and 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 we fought. We did not get along. We did not get along. But slowly, God worked in our hearts. Uh, we were on opposite sides of the world. And then when we came back together, we started to appreciate each other more. We started to, to act like we loved each other more. And something amazing happened. As that started to happen, I now have a very, we have a very good relationship with one another. I, I, we, we speak a lot more now than we did years ago. Because we both had our own issues that God was leading us through. But we did not like each other. But we were family. And so we had to love one another, right? So there might be somebody sitting here, brothers and sisters, that you don't like. There might be somebody here that hurt your feelings or somebody said a snide remark to you. I'm sorry that happened to you. That's terrible. That's terrible. But we have to love one another. We're called to love one another. And maybe, just maybe, if we do that, we can learn to like one another a little bit more. We all have our place here, right? We all have been given gifts by God to use for the good of this church. Not only for his kingdom at large, right? But for the good of this church where we have all been called to. We cannot afford to look down at one another. We cannot act as if our own area of responsibility trumps everyone else's. We can't be a member of this church and remain aloof from one another and from the needs of the church. Because ultimately, it's not about our comfort or our needs, but about what is God asking us to do, the mission he has tasked us with in our own place and time. And we do this because when God looked at us, he saw us dead in our sins. He did not leave us there trapped in them. He came and lifted his house. As the, 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 the girl who, who reminded us this morning during the children's sermon, that Jesus died for us. Died for us and was raised for us. Christ bled and died, so our relationship, not only with God, right? We, we often go to this, that Jesus died to restore, and rose again to restore our relationship with God. Yes, that's true. But he also dies to restore our relationship 
with one another. That's the whole point of this analogy of the body here in 1 Corinthians. That God is taking all of these different people from all of these different families, all of these different places of origin, all these people on the so- different levels of socioeconomic ladder, some middle class, to use our own language nowadays, some upper class, some lower class, and God is mashing them all together. Like, America isn't the true melting pot, brothers and sisters. The church is the true melting pot, right? This is where we all come, and when we all come to the church and to the body of Christ, we are all baptized into the same spirit, and we are all made to drink of the same spirit. And brothers and sisters, this is all powered by love. All powered by love. And guess what we're going to talk about next week? I'll give you one guess. Love, yes. Thank you, Greg. Thank you, Greg. I pray that your preferred team will win the Super Bowl this year. I don't know who that is. <laughs> right, that is all powered by love. And as we go through, we're going through Corinthians 12 here. We're going to go through next Sunday, for, I'm telling you now in advance what I'm going to speak about. We're going to go through 1 Corinthians 13, and we're going to look at what Christ-centered, Christ-shaped love looks like and how that's lived out here in among us about how the melting pot of the church, right? All of these different people from all of these different places in society, right? How we can all come together receiving the same spirit, how we then can learn to love one another, but then also take that love and show that to a world in need. And so to our crucified and risen Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, be all glory together with his Father who is from everlasting and as all holy good and life-giving spirit. Amen. Thanks for listening to the podcast for Zionstone United Church of Christ. We have deep roots here in our community, and we predate the founding of the United States itself. If you're looking for a traditionally grounded, biblically faithful church, come visit us. We just might be the church you're looking for. If you'd like to email me, you can reach me at malandsman at gmail.com. Please be sure to check us out online, zionstoneucc.com, and check us out on Facebook at Zionstone UCC. Thanks again for listening, and God bless you.